1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series that started on Easter Sunday called Awake with a message delivered on Mother's Day called Mom Was Right. The church family is given to us by God because no one ought to be alone. There's beauty in doing life together with people who love Jesus and love each other well. So how do you do it well? Pastor Sean suggests the answer is not only the woman found in Proverbs 31, but it's the bride, the bride of Christ, which is his church. You can follow along with the notes and discussion questions for your own Bible study on the sermon page, as seen at reallife.org, in the series called Awake, and Mom Was Right. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: I've entitled the message, Mom Was Right. And as far as some of you ladies are concerned, I could just close the book right now, pray, and it's like, you've said what needs to be said, Pastor. <laughs> Let's just go home with that thought. This is from Proverbs chapter 31. You remember the Proverbs 31 talks about the godly woman, the woman of noble character, and it, and it talks about her as a mother and her kids rise up and call her blessed. And look what it says about her. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She can laugh at the days to come. The New American Standard says it like this, strength And dignity are her clothing. And she smiles at the future. Proverbs 31, 25. I love that passage because it talks about a woman of faith. A woman of strength and dignity. And that's what her character is. And it's interesting because there's so many people who are terrified about the future right now. So many people who the only message they really have is one of fear. And I love this passage. She smiles at the future. She laughs at days to come. Because she's not just she's not shaped by the news of the day, by fear, but she has experienced the presence and the grace of God. This is the godly woman. And I just want to say um, I was blessed to be raised by a woman like that. And it wasn't that she was delusional, she knew the bad stuff that was going on around and she you know wanted to protect her kids and all that, but she always had a vision of hope because of her savior. And I know people all around this room whose story is the same. So moms, we just want to say thank you. You shaped us, you uh, led us, you guided us sometimes with a thump on the head, sometimes with a hug, but you always did what was needed, so we want to thank you. And just know that is a powerful, powerful legacy to be able to smile at the future. And the reason I called this message Mom Was Right is because, well, mom was right i mean how many times do you did you kind of not want to hear what mom had to say but then you realize oh my gosh she's absolutely right she told you things like eat your veggies she told you things like brush your teeth she told you all kinds of other things i came across some things and kind of put down some of my own that i hurt remember hearing and saw saw some others and these are some of the things that we've all heard mom say you ever heard mom say do i look like a maid to you my mother would say that do i look like a maid to you Be like mom i've never had a maid all i've had is you so yes yes you do You look like the only maid I've ever had. And then I'd get thumped in the head. (laughs) My mom would say, close the door. Were you born in a barn? And I'd be like, no, mom, but Jesus our Lord was. (laughs) Moms, wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) Don't sit too close to the television. You'll go blind. Go play outside. It's a beautiful day. My mom would lock us out of the house. So we're outside on the door. We've been outside for three minutes. Can we come in and watch TV? If you can find a TV outside, you can. How do you know you don't like it? You haven't tasted it. It's called the sense of smell, Mom. This is just good advice. Always wear clean underwear in case you get an accident. I, I follow that to this day. Okay? It's not hygiene that drives me, it's that fear. (laughs) That moment in the ER, we're like, oh, gross, oh, God. (laughs) I digress. (laughs) Bored? How can you be bored? I was never bored at your age. Do you live to annoy me? No, mom, I'm just gifted. Don't cross your eyes or make that face. Don't make that face. Your face will freeze that way. And sad to say, she was right. <laughs> go ask your father. Dads, be careful because she doesn't mean this. Okay? She doesn't mean I don't care. Whatever your dad says is fine. She means go to your dad he better say what I want him to say in that regard. Okay? So be aware, dads. That's how it goes. I can't believe you sleep in that pig sty. Do you know, I've never heard it called a pig sty except in relation to my room. I've heard pig pen, I've heard all, you know, but that was the thing, the pig style. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. That's just good advice. If you're too full to finish your dinner, you're too full for dessert. I'm like, Mom, that's not true. I'm looking at that apple pie. I'm fine now. It's like a miracle. I'll treat you like an adult when you start acting like one. Sadly, my mom never got to treat me like an adult. I'm going to give you to the count of three. One, two. I can't tell you how many parents I've seen who have this all messed up. They say that and they start counting and then they keep going. Two and a half, three. I'm serious. I'm going to count again. I'm like, okay, you've totally messed this up. My mom had this absolutely right. I'm going to give you to the count of three. One, two, smack. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> you weren't going to do it anyway. Now you know I'm serious. My mom was witty and stern at the same time. <laughs> oh, God. I hope someday you have children just like you. <laughs> Why, Mom? Because you did. And also, let me just say, that actually happened, okay? <laughs> that, that was a curse that worked. I don't know. If you're too sick to go to school, you're too sick to play outside. We've all heard that one. Running away? You want to run away? I'll help you pack. <laughs> that was always disheartening. Say that again, and I'll wash your mouth out with soap. And I've seen it on TV when people wash the mouth out with soap, and they stick it again, the kid's sitting there holding the bar of soap. My mom didn't do it like that. My mom made sure, she took that soap, she ground it into my teeth. I had to floss. I had bubbles in my floss after <laughs> I was done, okay? She was not kidding. Of course, when you have your own house, and you can make the rules. Your father's going to hear about this when he gets home. I hate, it. I hate that one as a dad, because it's like I'm supposed to be as mad as she was you know, six hours later. (laughs) And she'd say, you will always be my baby. And I will always love you no matter what. And those were absolutely true. Way to go, mom. You are awesome. How about any of your moms ever tell you to go to church? My mom always said, you got to go to church. In fact, and don't show your hands here. I know there's a bunch of you here today because it's mother's day. And let me say, God bless you. Way to go. One other thing mom used to say to us, she would always say, family first. Said, A lot of people going to come and go in your life, good people, good friends, but your family is your family. And she would point that out. And my wife was just an awesome advocate and cheerleader for family first. You need to know, if you know me at all, people who know me know I'm a family guy. I love family. I believe in family. There was a lot of that was my mom's influence. I, just, I, I believe my first ministry as a minister is to raise and disciple my family. There's a lot of people who can do my job, right? There's only one guy who can be a husband to Lori and a dad to Lauren and Ryan and a grandfather to my grandkids. I'm the only one. And so that has to be highest priority in that context. But I will tell you, I have a job that has all kinds of moving parts and all kinds of different people and pulls. And I have a personality, particularly early on in my ministry, that my default wish was, sure, I can do that. I can fit that in. And my wife worked very hard to protect me and our family from that tendency. She would work with my assistant on my calendar. <laughs> Set an appointment for this, and then it would just be gone. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I talked to Lori. You can't, you, you don't have time for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm the boss, remember. <laughs> but she fought to make sure this idea of family first. And, and I, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that when we'd get lazy and want to just, you know, eat in front of the TV, which we did at times, but most of the time it was, a, come on, let's sit around the table. Come on, we're going to have a conversation. She fought for the right kind of things, the healthy things in our family. And I'm so grateful for that. And we're going to talk about that idea of family first, kind of in honor of moms, but extend that beyond. We're in this series called Awaken, remember? Living the resurrected life. Awake, living the resurrected life. And we learn that resurrection is not a doctrine to be learned, but a life to be lived. When we become followers of Jesus Christ, it should transform us. Something in us comes alive. Our spirit changes. It's not just, I'm the same person with a new set of rules. No, I've been made alive in Christ. That's what the scripture says. That the old person, the old me was buried with Christ in baptism. The new me is raised, resurrected as a new person in him. That's what we're talking about. And that resurrected life should change us. It should change us. Last week we talked about becoming awake to the reality that God is at work all around us. That every day, at work, in the neighborhood, in our homes, God is working. He's already there. And We sometimes act like, no, no, it's just kind of the stuff of life and it's just going on. And we need to remember, wait a minute, God's at work. And He's doing great things. We need to keep our eyes open.
1: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church. In this message called Mom Was Right, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org, just look for the series called Awake. Where there you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: I want to look at what God is doing with this idea of family. And I want to take it to a broader level. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul is writing the church, Galatia. And he says, brothers and sisters. Now that whole idea, this idea of family, you have, you have to understand, to people who'd come to know Christ... This is a new idea. You remember when Jesus prayed and taught us to pray, he said, what did he say to pray? Our what? Our Father. You you notice he doesn't just say, my Father. When you pray, say, my Father. He doesn't say that. He says, our Father. You're becoming a part of something. And the Apostle Paul, as he went and he began to teach and shape the churches, he brought that idea. Brothers and sisters, there's something happening here. Brothers and sisters. And they, they all knew, well, we're not physically related you know like Forrest Gump and Bubba you know we are not relations you know and they know he's saying something though because Paul is not someone who's frivolous with his words brothers and sisters he says if someone is caught in a sin you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ if anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor. He's talking about, you need to understand this idea of teaching the Word, that is, an, that is a significant load. And it is a key and critical part of your community and life together. Goes on, he says, "Do not deceive. God. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh will reap well, from the from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life." Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the what the family of believers. The family of believers. You see, Paul is introducing them, and this passage has a lot of just different teaching that uh, applies to this idea. And he's telling us this, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the main point for the morning. The resurrected life awakens you to the gift of a new family. The resurrected life awakens you to the gift of a new Now, there's two points of significant connection that Paul talked about. First of all, he talked about those who belong to the family of what? Believers. The family of believers. You understand, it is our belief that defines us, our common faith. We believe certain things that unite us, that cause us to be one. They are beliefs that cause us to walk in the same direction. That's why the creeds are such a big deal. Why do people recite the Apostles' Creed? Why do they care about the Nicene Creed? Why did the church fathers? ever take the time to write these creeds. Because what they were doing is they were boiling down to their key essence, the things that the scripture teaches that unite us. Because people can have different opinions on different things. There are certain things that we can have different opinions on. We can look at scripture. We can have different understandings, even different interpretations of, of some things. But there are core ideas that are non-negotiable. And you say, these we believe. And these beliefs make us part of the family of believers. We believe in God, our Father, creator of all things. We believe in who he is. And that shapes our view of the world. We believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who was his only begotten, who lived a sinless life and came among us and gave his life to pay the penalty for our sins. We believe that. We believe in the Holy Spirit who when we become followers of Jesus indwells every believer and empowers us to live the life God created us for. We believe in the word of God That by his spirit, he spoke the word, and then by his spirit, he protected the word. And that it has transformative power, because it is the word of God. So these are things that we believe and we hold in common. We are a family of believers. Our common faith unites us. But he alludes to a second point of connection, when he says, you who live by the spirit, remember he said, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently in other words we don't just have a set of beliefs that unite us but because of those beliefs when we become a follower of jesus christ his spirit comes to reside in us and we now share a common spiritual dna there is something of god's divine presence uniquely in every follower of jesus christ We know that we all have the breath of God, that he breathed life into the man, and that that we all have a spirit, but that spirit before Christ is dead in sin and separated from God. And when we become followers of Jesus Christ, his spirit comes and brings our spirit to life. And there is this communion that happens, his spirit and ours. It is a very literal indwelling of his spirit. So we have this common DNA. So when I walk up to someone who's a brother or sister, it's not just that we believe the same things, and that is significant and important, but there's also that sense where we have a similar spirit. The part of us that will live forever is united in Christ. And it's powerful, that spiritual DNA. The resurrected life awakens you to the gift of a new family. We actually are part of a family. We understand when when we became believers in Jesus Christ, there was something in us that said, my way isn't working. I need to turn. That's called repentance. I need what you have, Father, and I want Father. And what we realize real quickly is, well, you kind of can't have the Father without the brothers and sisters because that's how family works. And a lot of people have a problem with this because Father, he's glorious, he's perfect, he's exalted. His voice has incredible reverb all the time. But... The brothers and sisters, yeah, they're kind of a mixed bag. You know what I'm saying. I mean, they're all right. You guys are great and all, but come on. Some of y'all are crazy. <laughs> like six people just said, right back at you, Pastor. Right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. People are people. And that's, that's kind of the mixed bag. There's wonderful things about people. and Then there's just difficult things. We're all growing. We're all processing. We're all becoming conformed to the image of Christ. And we're all at different stages of becoming conformed by his spirit. And so the family thing is something that a whole lot of people has come under attack in the context of contemporary Christianity. There's a lot of people out there going, oh yeah, no, no, I want relationship with Jesus. I want God. I want all that, but I don't need the church thing. And I'm not, when I say the church thing, you know what I mean, right? For the benefit of those of you who maybe are new or don't go here or or get visiting with us, I'm not talking about the 501c3 nonprofit corporation. I'm not talking about the buildings. I'm not talking about the structure. I'm not talking about the database. I'm not talking about any of those things that assist us in our functions. I'm talking about the church, the ecclesia in the New Testament, the called out ones, the body of believers who God has planted you in and walked together, which Father says you desperately need and you shouldn't forsake the getting together with those believers. You need them. We need each other. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the church. And there's a whole lot of people who go, no, no, I don't need that. And you can find Christian writers, you can find Christian bloggers, you can find people all over the, all over the net, all over the world who say, oh, no, 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 you, you don't need that. You just need God. And let me just say they're dead wrong because they are contradicting the very God that they say you need. All you got to do is read the word and you'll discover, oh, this family thing, he's serious about it. When God chose to start his work with mankind, he begins with this guy named Abraham. When he's gonna bring a redeemer, he starts with this guy named Abraham. And you remember what Abraham did? All God says, I'm gonna make you a family. And remember Abraham and his wife couldn't have kids. <laughs> he's old by the time God started having this conversation. It's like God, it's not gonna happen. And God's like, No, no, trust me. And he has a son named Isaac. And then Isaac has a son named Jacob. Do you remember what Jacob's name was changed to? Israel. Became the nation that grew and out of a family and the nation through which God brought Christ to redeem the world. This whole thing started as a family. It's been a family. That's been God's heart and his design all along. We need to get this kind of deep in our spirits, and we need to take this really seriously. The resurrected life awakens you to the gift of a new family. A couple observations that Paul makes about the family family. First thing, family belongs to one another. That's what's beautiful. We just saw a baby dedication. We just saw little Preston. And, you know, um, he's in the signs family now. Okay, Shelly's family are the barns. Chris' family the signs. You know, he's just part of the family, and everybody knows it. Okay, next service we're dedicating my newest grandbaby, little Olivia, Ryan and Rachel's daughter. And she is part of the family. And, you know, she, does, she can't speak, she can't talk, she eats, sleeps, and fills diapers. That's what she does, and she's very good at it. Gifted child, it's amazing. to <laughs> so watch her, she's so good. But, I mean, you, you, you realize she doesn't know anything. She's like three and a half weeks old now. But she's figured out something, and that is I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> I really am. Everybody's ooing and owing over me all the time. They all want to hold me. If any moment, she's not being held like, whoa, whoa, hello, baby in the room. Because the fact is, she hasn't done anything for any of us. She's actually quite selfish. It's always about her, her needs, you know, my bottle, blah, blah. She hasn't done anything for any of us, but we love her, and she's ours. She belongs. See, that's what family is. Family belongs to one another. You, You don't you don't earn your right into family. It's not like, well, you know, when you make your milestone, then you're going to be part of the family. But until then, your brother made it at seven, and you're already six and a half, so you better hurry. It doesn't work like that. No, they're born, they're ours, they're family. And in the body of Christ, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you belong. You belong. You are brought into Family, that's what baptism is. It is the formal entrance. Everybody in the first century would have understood this. We sometimes don't. We think of baptism as the confession of faith, which it is. It is a wonderful, it is the wonderful confession of faith. It's where before family and friends, you declare. That's why we, we practice and we teach what the scripture teaches, biblical believer's baptism, okay? We don't baptize our infants because they don't, they don't get it. We baptize when the person is able to say, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And baptism says we are buried with Christ like an old man. That's what you're saying when you're baptized. That old person that I was apart from Christ is buried with him. And a new person, a new man, a new woman is alive in Christ who stands before you. So it is a powerful public confession of faith. But it is also the idea of baptism. We are baptized into something. We are baptized into the name of of Jesus Christ. That's why we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are baptized into a name. Well, that's into a family. Little Olivia has our family name. And baptism is an entrance into the family. So when Jesus said, Go make disciples, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he was saying, bring them into the family. And what that means is we are one. It means we're not separate in the in the world we're so used to adversarial relationships we're so used to everything being a negotiation in family I, I know there can be negotiations and stuff but the bottom line is we're all on the same side supposed to be we're supposed to be all on the same side you know and there's always a negotiating table whenever we're having these negotiations and in family we should like pull the table away and yeah there's a, you know there, there's going to be things we're going to have conversations we're going to have disagreements all that stuff but the bottom line is in family when it's done the way God designed it to be done. It should be, I want you to win because we're family.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Mom Was Right, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org.